You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is your host, Ben Wolf. As usual, we're going to learn from our guest today why the office is over and what that means for your business. Uh, please subscribe, leave a review, like, follow, etc. Pause, do that. It supports and get this gets this content out to more people. Moving on to the content today, I'm excited to welcome our guest who is the CEO of Meetup, which is the largest platform for finding and building local community, whose goal is to use technology to get people off technology. Uh, he's the author of Decide and Conquer, 44 Decisions That Will Make or Break All Leaders. Uh, link to that on Amazon in the uh, social media and in the show description. Uh, our guest was previously CEO of Investopedia and before that, the president at Seeking Alpha. He's the host of the Keep Connected podcast. You can find out more about what he's up to these days at meetup.com. And I give you David Siegel. Welcome, David. Good to be here. I will leave a review just like you asked. Thank Have you. Have my word. I do appreciate it. I do. I am I'll grateful be biased because I'm a guest, you know, but that's okay. Right, right. Well, that's that's not cheating. <laughs> the uh, So, you know, first thing I want to do is get into, okay, we're talking about the office is over. You've got a an interesting, interesting background doing a, a lot of cool things, but, you know, give us a quick two minute background. How do we get to be talking about offices over? Like, you know, give us some context in your background for where we get to be talking about that today. Okay. I love it. I just got an interesting, I got an interesting, interesting, which means like another, that's like a nice way of saying like, we, we were all over the place, David, in your background. <laughs> so speaking, I, I started off in consulting because when you have no idea what you want to do in life, you start off and just start consulting to others because you don't know anything, so why not tell people what to do? It's perfect. Um, and then it was an That's early an indictment for consulting. Okay, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> um, then I never went back for a reason. Then uh, I were I was an early employee at DoubleClick, which was um, really the world's largest um, advertising uh, internet advertising company, and ultimately got sold to Google for a few billion dollars. Okay. And that just got me in the digital world, like super early in my career, 1999, 1998, actually started consulting them in 1999, starting there. And I think the biggest influence on kind of my philosophy around community, my philosophy around people is because I started my career in consulting and also double click in human resources. And there are not that many CEOs that start off in human resources. You start off in product, you start off in sales and marketing. Right. Very few are HR become CEO type things. But in HR, what are you focused on? You're focused on how do you manage great people? How do you recruit great talent? How do you set up organizational structures for success? How do you align strategy you know, and people operations? And I did all those things. And I remember the CEO of DoubleClick, got him Kevin Ryan said, hey, David, you know, I spend all my time on human resources and so do you. And I thought to myself, huh, maybe I could be a CEO one day. And then, you know, after going to business school award and the, the rest of my career was really a progression through 1-800-Flowers and Everyday Health and a bunch of other big digital properties. Then became a president of a company, like you mentioned, I became CEO of Investopedia and then finally CEO of Meetup. And it was really all the path towards becoming a CEO because the thing that always resonated the most for me was building culture. And, and when you build a great culture, you enable people that are within the organization to thrive. And I think it goes back to my past around that. And I've always been kind of a people-centered leader. And um, you know, I think that you know, helped me to set, set me up for 
you know, the, we're running the largest community platform in the world with 59 million members with wow. 257,000 communities that we have on a platform in 193 countries, every country but North Korea. You know, I go, I'm speaking in Ireland and I'm going to in a, a conference and I'm going to be speaking at five different meetup groups that are just, you know, there because there's just meetup groups everywhere. And it's right. very, wow. it's really rewarding. Wow. I, I Okay. I mean, obviously there's a lot to go in and we don't have time to go into all the stuff that I'm interested in hearing more about, but you know, what, I guess what, what caught my attention was this, was this thing that you say the office is over in, in, in deep foreboding tones. And <laughs> so what makes you say that? And what does that mean? Okay. So there's a reason why the great resignation is happening right now with four and a half million people resigning every month on a consistent basis. And the reason for that is the loss of community at work. People used to be at work and they would spend time at work and they would build community among people and they build relations among people. And there was friendships being built, especially among younger people that don't necessarily have the communal infrastructures, the churches, the synagogues, et cetera, to be able to go to because very few, many fewer people go to those institutional synagogue, institutional um, uh, institutional uh, infrastructure anymore, communal institutions. So the result of that is that people are working from their homes. And once people have gotten a taste from working from their homes, after a few months, they could have come back to the office. But after two plus years, the number of companies has hit a tipping point especially in tech, maybe different in some other industries, but especially in the tech industry, there's too many different options for people now, like the Airbnbs, which we may get to at some point, who have said, we're not gonna make you go back to an office. The sales forces of the world, many, many other companies as well that have said, we're not gonna make you go back to the office. And other companies have said, you'll go back to the office one, two or three times. So the office is not dead. The traditional way in which everyone had gone to the office five days a week, especially in tech is over. Because if you wanna compete for talent, you're not gonna get the best people if you insist on people coming in five days a week. And it's gonna be an enormous sacrifice. Right. Right. That, well, talk more about for a second, like what did Salesforce do? What did Airbnb do? How is that affecting everybody else? So, so what Airbnb said is people could work remotely essentially, you know, for as long as they, as long as they want to, they could work wherever they, wherever they need to work. Um, and Salesforce um, has not gone that far, but has generally said that there's a flexible flexibility amount when you work, where you work. Other companies like Google or Facebook are looking at, I think, two days a week or three days a week in the office. And there's some ex more extreme um, banks, for example, like Chase, that I think is still mandating four or five days a week, you know, in the office. So it's a spectrum, but, you know, I have friends that are senior people at Chase, for example, and they said that they're losing people left and right. Lots mm -hmm. of people are quitting because they don't want to necessarily go to the office four or five days a week. And right. I would even question whether you truly have to, you have to have community. And I think it's very important to have an office. So at Meetup, we're going to be moving into an office and there's ways of building community outside of an office. But I think the traditional step of being in an office five days a week to force people 
is gone because there's too many other solutions. And when you're competing for talent that are not forcing people to do so. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not that heavily focused in the work that I do on, on the tech space. Um, but I'm definitely seeing that, you know, the effect that that's having of those that are able to work remote, even in other industries, maybe not super physical industries, but a lot of other industries, even outside of technology, uh, services, professional services, all kinds of things that is uh, that people also have a lot of options um, and they can, you know, some are hybrid, some are fully remote, you know, so there's going to be a certain portion of the talent pool, which is already in short supply uh, that that can, if they prefer to, you know, work in one of these other work in one of these other types of places. Um, and Ben, what I would add is if you look at kind of the history of the last 30 or 40 years, many of the business and human resource processes that exist started in tech and they filter to other places. So, what, so what's an example of that? So in the 60s and 70s, only tech companies were really giving options to employees. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a big option pool available to people. And then it started to progress and extend to many other companies such that nearly every company and type of industry now gives options to employees. And there's many examples where different perks that people in tech were started to get, whether it was more extensive um, maternity um, times to be able to leave or mm-hmm. having a larger paternity type leave. Right. All those things start in tech and they extend from tech into banking, into retail, into manufacturing, into other industries as well. So much like tech has kind of really been more of the leader in kind of not necessarily working um, from the office, it's, continu- it's going to continue to extend as well. Right. Do you have observations? You know, we spoke about, let's say there's some things where you need, you know, where collaboration is just impractical digitally, or people have more of a physical involvement in whatever work they're doing. Um, you know, there's a mix, right? Some people in those businesses need to physically be together. They need to be together sometimes, but maybe not all the time. Or there could be some people in the business that need to be together, but other people in the very same business that should be part of the same culture that don't need because of the nature of their particular role to be physically together. Do you have anything you're observing of how people can more effectively navigate that where there's like a, you know, either where they need to be fully in person for some reason, for some practical reason, like it's not like a choice and, you know, you know, or, or whether even in those places, not every person in that business needs to physically be there or has that sort of work. Are you seeing anything about how people navigate those things or how they could do so better? Yeah, it's super complicated because you do have some roles where, where people will benefit greatly by being together in person. So an example of that in extreme is obviously manufacturing, but even taking away manufacturing design, where there's collaborative design work that happens amongst people and there's a benefit to actually um, iterating back and forth with people. And then there's other roles where you could really be a lone person. You work in accounts payable or accounts receivable. There, right. there's, you could just do that from your house and it's really not an issue at all. You work in potentially customer service. You can do that from your house and it's not much of an issue. Companies are struggling with this. We're struggling with this. Um, most companies are extremely sensitive to any kind of perception of inequity. It's, 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 that's, it's very important that companies treat every person the same and similarly. So what most companies are doing is they can't say something to the effect of, well, you're, you're in this function, you don't have to come in. If you're in that function, you do have to come in. That's a big problem. And, mm-hmm. then, and no one wants to 
feel like they're being punished, whatever it is, by being in a certain function or reward because they're another function. So nearly every company I know is therefore just standing, setting a set policy. The policy could be voluntary for anything. It could be mandatory two days a week. It could be mandatory three days a week out of five days. Yeah, it's across the so board. It's all across the board. Is that the ideal? No, because of the different jobs. But it's the reality for a very good reason that they don't. There's no want to be any perceptions of of kind of mispropriety of, of improprieties. Right. All right. And let's say for those organizations that have some reason why they need to be in person, either partially or fully, it's their choice or it's not their choice. I know you've spoken before about like free swag versus like community versus meaning, different things. What, you know, what, what, what are the most effective ways that you've seen for people who do need to be back in the office to some extent or other, or back in person to some extent or other, like how can they do that more successfully? Okay, I'm gonna give you two things. And it's like, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, one of them's all the way in the bottom of the hierarchy of needs and one of them's at the tip top. So the bottom of the hierarchy of needs is like food. People love free food. I love free food. And, 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 and junior people love free food. So when we are gonna have people coming back to the office, which is very shortly, full-time in a, in a, um, at two days a week is, is our plan, by the way. We're gonna mandate two days a week and we've already mm -hmm. told people that. Um, we're gonna have breakfast for everyone. We're gonna breakfast. Like hot breakfast. Hot breakfast, wow. waffles, pancakes, eggs. People are gonna be excited to get into the office. And oh, by the way, the breakfast start being served at 8.30, you know, like to 9.30. Someone comes, rolls in at 9.45, no waffles and pancakes for you. Sorry. Right. Nice. Um, and then free lunch is also for people. Wow. So when you do that, it's a small cost, but it'll get people start getting to the habit. You know, the number one best-selling business book over the last numerous years is Atomic Habits. Yeah. Everyone has read that or The Power of Habit. You need to start getting people into habits. Tony, Tony Robbins said, you want to start working out? Well, the best thing to do is drive to the gym, get an ice cream or whatever is the gym, get a smoothie and then leave. Don't even start working. Then go to the gym the next day and you know, walk in, just start building the habits. So what happens is you start building the habits of people one week, two weeks, mm -hmm. three weeks in, then people will start being much more comfortable kind of coming to the office. And food is one, that's at the bottom of the pyramid, but it works, it works. Okay. Now the top of the pyramid is community. So you have to find ways in which people will be able to kind of spend extra time bonding with each other. If you're in an office and everyone is back in the office and they're staring at their laptops on Zoom the entire time. Fail. Like, right. what's the point? That, that would just frustrate so many people. This again, people I know at companies who say, I come into the office and I just sit in front of Zoom the entire day. What's the point? And there is no point. And it just angers and frustrates lots of people. Okay. So you need to find ways in which people can interact. Now, some people might be on teams that are more hybrid and more remote. They're going to be on Zoom calls and, and that's fine. But how could you have activities certainly in the beginning to get people together? So one of the things that we're doing, for example, as an activity is there, there's a woman who's amazing at meditation. So she's running meditation classes once a week. Great. And people could bond and spend time together doing that. There's another person who has like an expertise in a certain area. He's an expert at credit card loyalty programs, for example. So every person, different people are going to give like a little session on something that they happen to be an expert, expert in. What it does is it builds community. Eating, eating together builds community amongst people. It's a different mm -hmm. relationship that you have when you're actually eating together than when you're sitting in an office. So right. 
you've got to find ways in which community can be built, relationships can be built, and people feel great. And oh, by the way, if you don't go five days a week, chances are, like most companies, very few, almost no one's going to be there on a Friday. Very few people will be there on Mondays. That's going to be concentrated on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is when, the, is when most of the people will be coming back into the office. And what's good about that is because then there's an energy. If it's distributed among you know, all the different days, there might be less of an energy. You want there to right. be that energy when uh-huh. you're there. Right. Well, and, and that gets into something else, which, which is part of what you said kind of got completely undone, right? You talked about community before and connection and how you know, maybe when everything was full-time, if people that were perhaps younger or people that don't have some community outside of work exactly, a few friends individually, but not really a sense of community and that they would get that through the office. Um, so if that's mostly over, you know, I was, you know, for those that are in person or to one extent or another, you could have some of that, but, you know, I, I suspect this connects with the mission of meetup probably, but like, where does, where does community come into this or what are some other ways people can find community? Yeah, I mean, the most important thing that I always tell people is to find something that you are passionate about. It could be playing soccer, in which case there's community platforms out there, Meetup being one of them, but the other platforms as well, just not as good, just kidding. But (laughs) um, to find people that love playing soccer, they could be people that love hiking, they could be people that love learning about tech. Find something you're passionate about and go out there and be vulnerable, be comfortable going out there, maybe if you don't know anyone, because that's people's biggest challenges, getting off the couch, shutting Netflix off, and just going out and doing something. And it's hard to do that, especially if you don't know someone else. If you need to bring someone with you as a security blanket, bring someone with you if it'll get you to go out there. But if not, try to find people that you want to build relationships with, because the reality is the loneliness epidemic that exists in this world is terrifying. Right. 46% of people regularly feel lonely, which is a terrifying, which is very scary statistic. And among Gen Zers, it's up to 62%. Mm. So people are thirsting for community. The work was the place where everyone got it. And now they need to find other places close to their home or around their passions for them to find real community. And you know what? If your entire community is solely online and digital, it's just not the same as an IRL and real life community. Right. You can have both in person and online, but if it's only online, it's, it's, it's a far different experience than the real experience of doing things together in person. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I guess finally what I wanted to, what I wanted to get to, if, if you don't mind is I know you do have this new book, decide and conquer. Like, what is that? Like, why did you write it? And, you know, and, and, you know, does or how does it connect with, uh, you know, with the stuff we're talking about? Yeah, sure. I mean, Decide and Conquer is a book that is all about helping people make better business and life decisions. Uh, at the end of the day, we're a function of the decisions that we make. And a lot of people have these terrible decision-making biases. They have what's called recency bias. They have status quo bias. They have sunk cost bias. They have all these different biases, confirmation bias. And it's about kind of recognizing different biases that someone may have and how you can make ultimately a better decision about it. I didn't want to write a boring kind of book about decision-making. And then what happened is um, Meetup, our company was acquired by WeWork, the you know famous company that imploded from 47 billion valuation to like the three or 4 billion value that has stayed still not bad, but far cry from the 47 billion. And being owned by Adam Newman 
and WeWork and the culture clashes that existed, and then having to run Meetup during the pandemic when you couldn't meet up in person, but right. then us pivoting our business model to have over 3 million online events during the pandemic um, and, and 30 million you know, people attending those events um, made for such a crazy story about having to make this decision, that decision. And, and it just realized that there's a lot of interest in how to make smarter and better decisions. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's what Decide and Conquer is all about, kind of a roller coaster ride that helps right. to teach leadership and, and decision-making lessons. Right. And let's say post-pandemic is, where's Meetup at, I guess, in terms of the proportion of people using the platform for in-person meetups versus virtual? What's that like now? Yeah. So, so prior to the pandemic, we were literally 100% in-person. We would reject any types of organizers that said, we just, we want to be virtual only. If someone mm -hmm. had like an occasional Zoom thing that we were fine with it, but we're about using technology, like we said, to get people off of technology. Right. And then the pandemic hit and we said, we got to pivot our business model like immediately or we're not going to exist anymore. We, we and got all of our engineers together, changed our mm -hmm. technology, updated everything in a crazy frenzy of a few days. Um, Although and, ostensibly going against your mission. So in great question. I, I love that question. Okay. Love it. So that there was a lot of debate and, and disagreement and, and ultimately a decision around that, which I talk about in the book, which is the question is, is our mission IRL or is our mission about building real connections for people? Right. And if I look at the words of mission, it's empower personal growth through real human connections, not IRL. Now, the way we tactic that we did it was IRL because we believe the best connections happen through IRL. But right. that was a tactic, not a mission. So once we talked about this, there were a lot of people that had been around for a while that said, we can't do, we can't do virtual. I said, okay, then we won't exist potentially. And we thought it'd be yeah. a month or two months, not two and a half going on. Yeah. Who knows how many years. Thank God we made that pivot. So it did, it went against our tactic and our strategy to achieve our mission, but never went against our mission. So today yeah. to answer your question, we're like 79 and a half percent, almost 80% back to in-person okay, and we're 20% virtual. And it's fascinating to see some of the, some of the heat maps. Cause like in Florida and Texas, we're like 98% in person. Cause COVID never happened there. We were, you know, the throes of the pandemic, we were like 80% in person mm -hmm. in certain, certain States in the United States that are, uh, you know, tend to be red, more, more red leaning States. And it's very interesting seeing kind of the red versus the blue states and the percentage mm -hmm. in person versus not in person. And then, right. you know, there's countries like uh, Brazil and, and others that are still, you know, having lots of challenges with COVID that are still higher percentage online. So mm -hmm. um, it really depends on the place, but overall we're around 80, 20 now and, and online isn't going to go away because right. there's actually a lot of interesting benefits to online that we never would have unlocked, never would have unlocked. Like it wasn't. So for example, Let's say you're a parent of children with ADHD. And we have about 100 different parents of ADHD kids throughout the world, but you live in Kansas City. And now, and you went to, and there's no meetup group for parents of ADHD kids. You would not be able to go to a meetup group for that. Right. Now you could get access to any of our 10,000 daily global events or events happening because you can now experience them anywhere. And it's, so what I say is online virtual meetups are better than no meetup. Right. They're just not as good as in my mind, in-person events. Do you have some sort of test that you make people say, okay, 
only if you because like going back to how you did it before covid you know only if like you can't like there is no meetup or there's not enough people in your community that you could organize an in-person meetup then we're, we allow you to do virtual or do you uh, just kind of leave it up to them? We leave and... we leave it up to like the the invisible hand, shall we say, right. to let them let people figure out. So if someone organizes virtual only and no one's showing up, we will send messages and say like, hey, you may want to try going back to in person because lots of people are going back to in person, and someone's doing in person in some very small area with a tiny population. We might say, ah, oh, you may want to open yourself up to to online. So mm -hmm. we're educating. Our our goal is to educate our organizers to make smarter and better decisions around um, where to invest and how to go about building the most effective meetup groups. It's not for us to like allow or disallow one thing or another. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, very interesting. I, you know, I appreciate this and the office being over, or, you know, as some would say, you know, the rumors of rumors of my death are, are highly exaggerated. You know, maybe <laughs> it's not completely over, but- It's um, changed forever. It's right, changed yeah, forever. changed forever. Super interesting with, you know, how, you know, decide and conquer and decision-making obviously goes into these crazy things, <laughs> these crazy changes that happen and crises that we face in terms of decision-making, decide and conquer, uh, in terms of what you're doing with Meetup. Uh, super, super interesting. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Ben. Wonderful conversation. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.